0: So divide and conquer, Um, Jesus had another idea. He actually said, if a house is divided against itself, that house can't stand. (laughs) And um, so that's what we've been looking about, uh, you guys, this last uh, few weeks, is just um, our passion is trying to reveal to you, and even for all of us, God's passion, just for our marriages, and that He has a great plan and a longing for us to experience a oneness, as we've been sharing. and. And that's what we are, we're concluding that today by looking over this issue of money. Um, Before we do though, I was just sitting down there and I had a chance just to kind of welcome and greet a few of you, but I know a lot of you just kind of came at the end and um we were talking i was talking with some people about this this week and i just i would love for us if we could if everybody would just stand up for a moment just go ahead and stand up for a second and um would you uh, especially all of you guys who are part of the k2 south on a normal basis let's just take a minute we just want to make sure that if you showed up this morning uh that you know we're really glad you're here because we really are so just go ahead and take a minute and just welcome everybody this morning and uh greet one another and we'll go on <music> You. All right. Man, I tell you, I just, I love that buzz every time we do it. I just, I love the energy and the community that it brings. Now I feel ready to go. All right. So you guys, today's message is called the battle over money. We've been talking about all's not fair in love and war. And there's just these certain battles that we hit in uh, in our marriages. And so today, the final one, we're going to talk about this issue of money. I've heard a term, how many of you guys have heard the term financial infidelity? How many of you guys have heard that? Okay, it's, uh, it was cool. I, I googled that. I mean, there's actually a book named that. There's all these articles on it. And I just thought, what an amazing term. Financial infidelity. Because uh, infidelity is just being unfaithful. And what people are realizing all over, this is, this is not Christian stuff, this is just news all over the place, is people are coming to realize that it's an unfaithfulness with finances, that really is destroying or hurting or wounding our marriages. And so one gal asked, is it cheating if you lie about where your money went? And the answer is, yeah, that is. Um, There's sexual infidelity, there's emotional infidelity, but part of me, which is really part of me being devoted to something outside of you. That's what an unfaithfulness is. And so sometimes people emotionally will get connected outside of the relationship in, in their marriage, and they shouldn't, shouldn't do that. It, you feel like, I'm, I, can't, I don't know if I can trust you anymore. And what they're realizing is we are being devoted to things outside of our spouse, outside of our marriages, with our finances. And it's every bit as damaging to people's relationships. There was a Harris Interactive poll. They, they pulled 1,796 adults. Uh, between the ages of 25 and 55. And either people were married or they were engaged or they were partners, uh, living together, all that kind of stuff. Here is, here's the results. 96%, 96% of everybody polled said that it is the partner's responsibility to be completely honest about finances. That 96%, I man, there should be complete honesty going on with our finances. Now, this was a crazy stat to me. 24% said it is more important than being faithful in a relationship. Now, that may go back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, how our, our culture sexually is kind of just diminishing a little bit. But a quarter of the people said, it would bug me more if you were unfaithful with your finances than if you were unfaithful sexually. Pretty, pretty interesting stat. 29% said that they admitted that they had lied to their partner about finances. So about a third of the people had lied to their partner about their finances. Twenty-five percent said that they knew a partner had withheld financial information, a quarter of them. So that means four percent are getting away with it. (laughs) That's it. So that's not very good odds, you guys. So We'll get to this later. But if you're holding the information, you only got a four percent chance of not not coming out. There's a proverb that says, we're going to get to this later, it says the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. And apparently the stats show that. Hey, so let's play Family Feud here real quick. How many of you guys love Family Feud? Oh, right. That was a really lame, you know, if you were really on Family Feud, what would you do? Yeah, okay, Tammy's excited. She'd run up and get on stage. All right, so here we go. Three out of four uh, people said they fight at least occasionally about money. Um, Anybody out there ever fight about money? Okay, two, we're in church. We don't raise our hand um, because we have our act together. No. All right, so here we go. Top four answers are on the board, okay? Here we go. The top four answers are on the board about what we fight about. What do you think they are? Anybody? Give me, give me, give me a shot here. Can, you, can we raise the lights out there just a little bit more so I can see people? That'd be great. What's that? Okay. Bills. Hmm. That might fit under these. Let's keep going. See if it fits. What's that? Debt. All right. Ding, ding, ding. All right. That's number three, okay? Number three. Okay, what's it? Shopping. Shopping. So that would be spending. And who are you spending it on? On yourself. Number one answer. There we go. Number one answer. The number one reason that people fight in their marriages over money is spending on ourselves. Okay? We got number one and number three. Debts three. Number one is spending on ourselves. What's another one? Budget. Yes, budget. We fight over our budget. That's number two. Good answer. I don't know if anybody will get number four. This one freaked me out. Uh, not freaked me out, but I was just surprised by it. Any other guesses? I'll just tell you. Number four is how much you spend on your kids. Isn't that interesting? That's the number four reason about what we spend. Okay, so there we go. That's what we fight about. And um, I just want to, as we move into this um, message, I do just want to know, just kind of take a breather here for a minute and just remind ourselves that whenever we get get into any of this stuff on marriage, we do know that we're stepping into some pretty intense stuff. I mean, we just did our marriage conference, and I just know anytime we do marriage conferences, it always just, it just lifts stuff up. And some of you are going to be sitting here today, and you're going to be going, oh man, we've been trying to stuff this for years. Like, we we know this is an issue, but man, if we even start to dialogue about it, just, you know, it just lights fires, and and you might even be nervous, you know. I, I wonder if maybe some people didn't show up today So say, let's just you know, forget this one, <laughs> you know. But, man, I just, I want to so encourage you that if we'll dive into this stuff, there in Christ, you guys, and this is why we do everything we do, there's always hope. There is always hope, no matter where you're at. And just to, just, so, just to kind of set that table before we jump into the teaching, um, we did a video of three couples here at K2. Um, all of them are taking the financial peace course right now. Uh, any, how many of you in here are taking that with uh, Dave Ramsey? Okay, quite a few of you. Awesome. So we just uh, interviewed a few couples who are just sharing with, just to share with you a little bit <clears throat> of their journey so that we can just know, look, we're all in this boat. I- I'm going to share our stories. Susan, and I have been in this boat. Um, it's a very common boat to be in, okay? So let's watch this video, and then we'll jump into the message. <laughs>
1: We are Mary and Steve Goldring, and we've been married 23 and a half years, and we have one son who is 18 years old.
0: We're Nina and Andrew, and we've been married for two years, Mm -hmm. a little bit more than two years, and I can't believe I had to look at you to find out if we've been married for two years. Validation.
2: I'm Valita Stiggers. This is my husband, Chris. We've been married almost 17 years, um, and we have two girls that are
3: thirteen and six. Andrew and I have really different ways of relating with money. I tend to give it away a lot more and Andrew tends to save it a whole lot more. I came from a background where
2: uh, money was not handled well. He came from a background where money was handled very well and then we got married and didn't really know what we were doing. (laughs)
1: Uh, I would do the money, and I would be on the computer late at night trying to figure it all out, and I'd be really stressed out all the time. And Mary would be like, how's it going? How's it going? How come we went over by $100 this week? And I was like, oh, we're fine. We're fine. And I'm scraping the barrel, and it's like, you're making money. Where's the money going? And it was just kind of a strange... It really was a very strained feeling. um, There was a real feeling of... Uh, disconnectedness, and, at least on my part, and like, what are you doing with this money? I, th- I think in a way that it was beginning to be a trust issue for me um, with Steve, and it uh, made me a little nervous. It was stressful for me to always feel like I had to hide things from her. I had to hide the fact that we were going under in our checking account, and I didn't want her to know about that stuff. And once I, once we came clean and we decided to be open with our finances with each other, I felt so much more free.
3: There were probably times when it was like, why did you get cash out of the ATM? You know, <laughs> that put us below,
0: or, or put us too low and this couldn't clear.
2: Or why didn't you give me a receipt to put in and yeah, no, receipts. and then I went and spent this.
0: Yeah. I think our debt wasn't looking too good because w- while we were saving a lot of money, our Debt was kind of pulling one of these, and, and just kind of.
3: Well, and we were paying what, like, ten dollars extra on it, so it counts, right? You know, we were doing that kind of thing. I think we were kind of patting ourselves on the back well, a little it still bit, does and, and just count. like it, it does count, and it's good, and it's better than nothing. Again, we didn't communicate too well, and I think that led to uh, some of the problems we had early on, where um, we used credit cards too much, and. Um, it ended up us being too much in debt and unable to repay anybody.
0: We
2: just kind of hobbled along, actually, for several years. And at one point, we claimed bankruptcy.
1: Once we started um, really honoring each other, I think by agreeing to be really open about the budget and our finances and how we were spending and, and what our goals were, and we were in agreement with that, I think one of the, the coolest things that happened for us that we saw God do was we suddenly, it felt like we had more money. And then sure enough, there'll be a need that for somebody in the church or a friend or whatever, and we'll be able to just give that money away. I think that's, for me, that's one of the coolest things.
2: We've conquered a lot just by understanding money. I mean, we don't sit down and talk about a budget. budget to me says, straight jacket, can't do anything. Makes a lot more sense to me. To
3: say, let's discuss the cash flow, how the money's flowing. You know, we want to be good stewards of our resources. I God has blessed us very, very richly. And uh, um, even when it doesn't feel like it. And uh, we just want to be really good with what we have.
0: Our older girl
3: that's 13, um, we are, we've been talking about
0: starting to work with her on maybe actually setting up kind of a budget.
2: I'm just very proud of how she's taken what she's seen us do and uh, applying it
3: quietly in her own life. I mean if I had if I had a thousand dollars a month to give away I would just be having a heyday with that. I mean I I mean, imagine the good we could help happen, you know, and um, yeah, no, that's, that's really
1: exciting. To me, that's just a huge blessing, to have that kind of, that gift of generosity that God's starting to give us. We've always wanted to be generous people, and it's like that's what He's starting to give us, as a gift of generosity through this. And I think it's because we've honored Him, but also because we've really tried to honor each other. Nothing left on-
0: I just know one of the things that hit me when I watched that for the first time was, uh, it's always funny to me, I feel like when, when two people get together to get married, how different we are. And um, where one person's the spender and one person's the saver and one person grew up handling finances really well and one person never grew up with, you know, no bounds to finances. And then God brings you two together. And, um, and then there's couples like Susie and I where both of us are very similar and we have no idea what we're doing with our finances, you know. <laughs> so that's, it's, just, it's, it's crazy when he brings us together. Um, But this the point with all, every topic of marriage, is that God's whole desire is to somehow bring us to this place of oneness. So let me just give a real quick recap before I dive in here of what we've been talking about. We started off, really, weeks ago when we hit the message on the Trinity, and one of the things we were trying to explain with the Trinity in the Christian theology is that in God's essence, He is in relationship, and in His relationship, it's perfection, perfection of self-giving love there's a oneness in the very nature of God and that's good it's everything that's right and then the very next message was about God's holiness and when we said that we said that what we tried to help everybody see is that what the Bible tells is God revealed his holiness to us by showing us what was right he was I'm going to reveal my holiness through what righteousness is And again, we hear that word righteous, and sometimes it has this negative connotation. But the truth is, we like things that are right. Because when something's right, it works. It's actually good. It's productive. And then what we found out was that everything that's right that God asks us to do actually involves another person. It's called love. The whole law, all the law that's in the Bible, everything you're supposed to do or not do, Jesus said is summed up in this. Love God and love each other. So really, righteousness, holiness, just means I'm rightly related to you in love. That's really what it is. And then, we jumped in this whole idea that the purpose of marriage is that you and I could actually experience and reflect this type of selfless love, of being rightly related in love in a covenant with another person, actually experiencing oneness together. God wants us to experience that, and he wants us to reflect that to the rest of the world. Then we hit the battle over sex and again we we looked at the scripture and it says, man, God's saying be holy in this area. Which means, again, be rightly related to other people in love. Because I want to bind you together as one flesh. One flesh. Not meaning just physically. It means two hearts, two souls coming together in a divine, beautiful, supernatural way. So, as we go into this money, this issue of money, I, I just, it was really great to study this issue because I've studied money, I've studied marriage, but this was the first time I feel like I really sat down and said, now why is it that money is such a huge issue, destroying too many marriages, causing too many casualties, weakening our marriages? And it's because, you guys, it deals with our heart. It deals with our heart. And God is up to the business, he's in the business of making our hearts become One. And too often, our hearts, through money, get divided, and it causes an issue. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 19. It's kind of the main passage we're going to be looking at today, Matthew six 19. I'll find it here in just a sec. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up there on the screen. Let's read this. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, it was interesting. I've been studying uh, this, this whole section, this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew And uh, one guy said, hey, before you even start thinking about the Sermon on the Mount, you always have to remember who's who's the one giving the message here. (laughs) And the one who's speaking these words is the one who's created us. It's the one who set the whole world into order. And he's saying, let me tell you how this works. All he's doing in this as well is he's saying, hey, you guys, this is what's right. This is what's good. This is what love actually is. And then he touches on this issue of love and rightness in finances. So let me just three things out of this passage real quick. The first one is this. Your money reveals the love of your life. Your money reveals the love of your life. And this is why money causes sometimes a real struggle in marriages. So the question, the way Jesus put it, he said, money just tells you where your heart is. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So the question is, then, where's your heart? Where's your heart? In the survey, what was the number one thing that we fight over? It's where I spend my money. See, all of a sudden, you, you get into, you go, okay, now we see the struggle here. Because what money does, when it's about you, and you're trying to figure out how to spend your money... Then all of a sudden the I word creeps in there and this is where it causes a problem because it reveals some... This is, I think, what it can reveal in a marriage. It can make the other person feel like you care more about yourself than you care about me. You care more about getting that equipment or getting that dress or buying that new car or getting this new thing and you don't actually care about me. So the question is that I think people can begin to say is, do I actually have your heart? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so in a marriage, if a person says, you know what, I don't really, well, I don't know if they're really saying, I don't know if I care about you, but if we go off and spend on things that the other person gets divisive about, then it causes questions within our marriage. This is why it hurts so much. It can make us feel like you aren't committed to me that you don't really love me, that I don't have your heart. And a spouse needs to know that they have your heart. They need to know that we are, you are, the love of their life. And so what happens is this is why right here, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So that, that's the first thing. And so the question we just need to ask is, when I spend my money, is it spent selfishly? Is it spent on what I want to do? And if you're sitting there today, and, and can we all just say yes? Can we all just say, yes, I do that on the count of three? One, two, three. Yes, yes I do that. Okay, all right. So now we're all there. Oh, go, gosh, you know, again, don't raise your hand because I'm holy and, you know. You're... No, we're all in this boat, okay, because we're human, <laughs> all right? But, but I don't know. Does that help you guys to see? Like, it helped me to see this is what causes the tension in marriage because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And my spouse can look at me and go, you're more concerned about that than me, all right? Your heart, therefore, is more about that than me. Now the, shake, the foundation starts to get shaky. All right? Here's the second thing. Well, let me ask you. Is, is it spent selfishly, the answer is yes. The question, second question is, is it spent sacrificially for the other? Do, do you ever, like, look at your money and actually say no to yourself and sacrificially do something that the other person wants? Because then again, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So it's just the flip side. This is what's so good. You guys, so please remember this. Money isn't evil. You guys remember that? You know, a lot of people say money is the root of all evil. You know, no, no, it's not. Actually, the Bible says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, okay? So money in itself isn't evil. Money can be awesome. In fact, you could show your spouse, "Ah, I'm crazy about you with your money. Because if you sacrificially poured into them and their desires and what they want, you know, so I'm going to find that out this week. Is this week's my birthday? <clears throat> Let's see what Susie spends on me. Find out what my, where her heart is. All right. So is it spent sacrificially for others? But here's the third one I want to get to. Is it spent in oneness? Is it spent in oneness? Here's the second point. first point is your money reveals the love of your life. Number two is oneness strengthens the love of your life. Oneness strengthens the love of your life. Look at verses 22 and 23 again. It says, The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? (laughs) I just want to tell you, like, for years I read this passage, I'm like, I think they got that in the wrong section. You guys ever read that you're like that doesn't how's that fit into this thing you know i thought we were talking about money well here's the deal we have good eyes and bad eyes okay how many of you have bad eyes okay all right me too uh part of the time they're actually uh, whatever uh how many of you have good eyes okay you guys can just see okay here's the deal this word for good means single now this is pretty interesting too it also can be translated generous very interesting. Now we're going to see why this thing's in here. A good eye means a single eye. Now, if you understand it all, the eye, and we've had Brian Hemard up here one time sharing this with us. But what happens is light comes in, hits the reflection, and when it goes past that reflection to one point in the back of your eye, you see clearly. That's a good eye. Because everything that comes in goes to one point. See, so when, what the Bible's telling us here, is when you're one, there's single devotion. There's single, just one point. This is what I'm all about. And when you have that, you can see clearly. Your whole body, it says, is full of light. In other words, you can have, you can see clearly where you're going, what you're about, and what your life is for. And I'm telling you, in a marriage, when there's, single devotion on something and you're one on this, your marriage rocks. Now, so what's a bad eye? You know what a bad eye is? A bad eye is when the light comes in and it hits the lens and it comes through and then it scatters to multiple points in the back of your eye. Did you guys know that's why you can't see? The reason it's blurry for you and me is because there's, it's hitting multiple points. Your whole body then, the Bible says, is full of darkness. In other words, your seeing is impaired. It's blurry. Why? Because there are multiple places of commitment. There are multiple places where your heart is. See, now what, this is, in this scripture, and we're going to get to this in a minute, what God is really trying to say is, can I just, what he's really saying to us is I just want to tell you, wherever your money is, that is where your heart is. Okay? It doesn't matter what you say. When you look at your visa statement, when you look at your checkbook, when you look at your budget, it is, and I love God just, I think he put this in there to say, I just want to let you know what you love. I just want to let you know where your heart is. If you've ever wondered, man, do I love God? Well, how's your checkbook look towards God? How does your your visa, how, how do your finances go towards God? Because if you say, I love God, And no money goes to God. He goes, you're fooling yourself. Your heart actually isn't there. But it's the same thing that's true in our marriages. And when you come in and you, with finances, are committed to multiple different things, then your heart is going in multiple directions. And now the spouse can have a question about where your heart is. Are you really devoted to me? Do you really love me? And the number one reason we're fighting is because we can both look at each other and say, you're living for yourself. And so God comes in and says, can I just tell you? Again, I want you to be one. I want you to be rightly related in love. So be careful what you're doing with your money because it's revealing where your heart is. And you can look at your spouse and say, Hi, I love you. And they can look and say, but it doesn't show by what's happening with our finances. Proverbs eleven three 3 puts it this way. Which is the book on wisdom, says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Look at that. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful, remember, financial infidelity is financial unfaithfulness. The unfaithful are destroyed by duplicity. My heart's in two places. And God just said, man, that's not not how this is supposed to work. The definition for faithful, if we flip it around, it means to be loyal, constant, steadfast, and reliable. And so the question is, so here we are. You're trying to build a strong marriage, and it has to be built on trust. I have to know I can rely on you. I have to know that there's a constant, that, that you're loyal. How reliable is something that can go in many different directions? Anybody else golf out here? right? I mean, I tell you, man, I go up there, I never know what's going to happen. I, I sit up there, I, I hit the ball, and it's like, yeah, you know, it went left this time, and next time, it goes right next time, and next time, it's straight down the middle, and then I top it. I mean, seriously, it's so frustrating. I'm tell, And if it's not faithful or, or reliable, then it can't be trusted. It just can't. And so if it's, and here's what happens. So if all of a sudden, you're if, you're, if, if your spouse feels like, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do with your money. It's, it's duplicitous. It's here, but then it's there, and it's, your heart's in many different places. It'll start to rise the question up, well, if with money, then what else? What else are, is there unfaithfulness in? And that's why I think Jesus said, if a house is divided against itself, that house can't stand. All right? So, what works, Jesus says is when there's singleness, oneness in devotion and not multiple places with your heart. Here's the third thing. Worship strengthens the love of your life. Worship strengthens the love of your life. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And when I read that, in light of the context of thinking about marriage, I just, I, I go, this is, again, God is so brilliant, obviously. <laughs> but I think he just looks at us and says, you can't serve two masters. You eventually will hate the one and love the other. And, and, and so again, one of the top killers in marriage are finances. Why? Because you can't be devoted and serve both money and your spouse. You'll end up loving one and hating the other. It, eventually. And the tension rises up. And then he says, you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And I think, and some of you may, be, you just, you've, you've tasted this. Where all of a sudden it's, and I love the word despise because you feel like, man, you're squelching my life. You're stopping me from getting what I want. And we want both. And God's saying, no. Okay? Now, you can't serve both God and money. You guys, let's just bring this to marriage. If you serve God, okay? Now let's just, so if you're a follower of Christ in this room today, if you're you're checking out God, you're just kind of, again, you're hearing his principles. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, okay? And and Jesus told us, it's all summed up in this. Love God and love each other. Here's Here's the one thing you can know that it always means to serve God. Love your spouse love them and so when I think about that be holy do what is right be rightly related in love you can't serve God love your spouse and serve money and here's why because I think when the Bible says if you serve money then who are you serving really yourself (laughs) because really serving money means you're serving yourself and so what you're saying is, I need this. I want this. And sometimes, eventually, we get to the point where we're saying, I want this even more than I want you. So Proverbs eleven six says, The righteousness of the upright delivers them. So again, remember what righteous means? If you're righteous, it means you're rightly related in love. And the righteousness, the rightly being related in love of the upright delivers them. But the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. I, I love the Bible. It's just, I've, I read it and I go, dang, got me again. It just, it just brings it out over and over again. So you can be sitting here and go, man, why are we struggling in this? Well, because the unfaithful get trapped by evil desires. And you can be sitting there going, I'm not evil. But think about this. If righteousness means loving another person, then the opposite of righteous, we could say is wicked or evil. What's the essence of evil? It's thinking about me. In fact, in Colossians 3.5, it puts it, it puts it this way. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, which we hit two weeks ago. And then right next to that is put away evil desires. Selfishness at its core is what is evil. At the core of God is always to love and always to think about the other person. So the opposite of that is to always think about me. You've got to put away selfish desires, and then look what's right after it. And greed, which is idolatry. What's idolatry? I'm all about this, which is me. <laughs> you guys see how this works? And God is just saying, I'll come. I want to so set you free from that. So the question for all of us to ask today is this, is just who is the love of your life? Who is the love of your life? And and maybe just today you just need to go, oh God, man, I hate church. You know, it's me. If I'm really honest, I'm the love of my life. It's where my treasure is. It's where my heart is. The one who created you is just letting you know. But see you guys, the beautiful thing is once you come to realize, man, I'm the love of my life. How many of us would be willing to say that? Hey, I'm the love of my life. You know, I mean, it's just, even as I'm saying it, I'm like, ugh. ugh." Just nobody would want to say that. But if your finances are about you, it's where your heart is. It means what you love, which means you're the love of your life. It's hard to have a good marriage when you're the love of your life. Or is your spouse? And does your money show that? Is there a sense where you just go, man, I want oneness in this with you. I want to work on this together. Let's figure this out. Or, and ultimately, you guys, is God the love of your life? I've been sharing this with some people lately, and I can't get into the essence or the the depth of this, but for me personally, and again, as a follower of Christ, marriage is actually all about worship, period, period period. See, because when I wake up in the morning, just like you do, and I can tell it's all about me, you ever have one of those days? <laughs> you know, you just, you just, when well, you come home from work and you just, you're dead tired and you don't want to think about anybody else and you're just, you know. When I'm in those moments, if it's all based on Susie and how good she's performing and what she's doing for me, or if it's based on how I feel and if I've got it that day, I can tell you, there's going to be a whole lot of days or it's not going to be very pretty. But if marriage is ultimately about worship, in other words, the reason I love my wife, even when I don't feel like it, or even when she doesn't deserve it, is because I love God. And God said, Nelson, love your wife. (laughs) You just can't get out of that one. And wives, the same thing is true for you. Respect your husbands. Love each other. Submit to one another, the Bible says. And see, so when we're not doing that, we need to remember very clearly here, as a follower of Christ, what you're saying is no, not to your wife, you're saying no to God. And so man, I just have to dig deep when it comes to stuff like this and go, am I going to love and honor the one that I follow with all my heart? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, which means I don't live for myself anymore. He died, so I wouldn't live for myself. But for him, and for me to love him, is to love my spouse. So ultimately, who's the love of your life? Is it yourself? Is it your spouse? Or is it God? And, and so really quick here in closing, in these last five minutes, I just want to share some things like, so what do I do? Because <laughs> hopefully, if you're sitting here today and you're just going, man, okay, we are not on the same page. We're not experiencing this oneness that God says that he created us to be, that he wants us to experience. That's what marriage is supposed to be. Then how do you make sure that we don't love money, but love, our, love God and love our spouse? How do we make sure that our heart is singly devoted? How do we make sure that our heart is one with our spouse so there's no more financial infidelity? Now, I'm going to give you four things, and none of these are going to be revelatory. <laughs> you're not going to go, oh my God, I never thought of that. You know, you're, you're, you're just not. <laughs> but here's what I am going to challenge you to do is when God reveals stuff to us, the Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And, and you know what the reality is? Every day, we just ha- simply have a choice. I'm either going to be faithful today or I'm, I'm not. And the four things I'm going to give you are things that you can sit and talk with your spouse about today and just go, okay, we're going to do this. Here's a number Number one, is be unified. Be unified. And this is how you get unified, is you put together a budget. <laughs> Seriously, if you don't if you're married right now and you don't have a budget. Susie and I spent the first oh goodness, 6 years I think without a budget. All you guys, what an unbelievable mess. You know, I was sitting there I was telling her this morning as I was thinking about it. I think we we totally were experiencing financial infidelity in our marriage. And you, and it wasn't like trying to, but we were. And you know why? Because when you don't have a budget, I can't believe, I mean, it was so easy to just go, hey, yeah, we need that, and hey, I'd like that. And it was never like huge purchases, you know? It was just that thing, oh, you see that in the store? Yeah, we need one of those. And next thing you know, I get the visa bill, and I'm like, holy smokes, where did this come from? And, you just, and then you're all angry, and you're anxious, and you're looking back, and you're saying, well, you spent this, and you did that. It, it's just absolutely nuts. And so finally, through financial peace and stuff, we took the course, we put together our budget. But you guys, you know what a budget is, right? When you sit down with a budget, all you're doing is you're looking together at what you value. You're looking together at what you value. You know, we're going through our budget right now for K2. We'll spend days on this thing because we're trying to figure out what we value. Because what you value, you're going to put your finances in. It's where your heart is. We're committed to this. And one of the best things that could happen to bring you oneness in your marriage is do a budget together. Or cash flow, if you want to call it that, if that helps you, okay? If you want to, but I'm telling you, if you don't have one, there will be questions. Budget, you know, debt will rise up without knowing it. You, the trust level can so start to dissipate without a budget. So be unified. It fights against the uncertainty. And if you don't have one, I, I can't encourage you enough. Number two, be free. And just be free, just basically. Man, if you're married and you've got tons of debt, you've just, you've got to get out of debt. Romans 13.8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And you guys, this fights against the heaviness and the stress that debt provides. That stuff will bring so much weight on your heart, and then you have extra tension on your relationship. And God just says, man, be free. Be free. you got to fight against the debt. Number three is be generous. Be generous. And this fights against the selfish nature that's in every one of us. Be generous. Psalm 37, 25, and 26 says this, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous, those who are rightly related in love, give generously. They're always generous, and they lend freely, and their children will be blessed. You guys, I'm serious. If... if, um, Again, if you, if you look at everything that God gave you and you don't have to read the Bible very far because he talks more about money than anything else. Why? Because he knows that money's telling you where your heart is. <laughs> That's why he actually talks about it all the time because it helps you know where your heart is. If you look at everything that he gives you because the scripture's really clear. If you're a follower of Christ, the one thing God has told you is everything you have, I've given you. In fact, there's another verse that says, well, I worked hard for this. And he goes, yeah, and I gave you the, the ability to even work. <laughs> everything you have, I've given you. If you don't see within your budget generosity, if you don't see it going out and blessing other people, blessing God and blessing other people, then he's just telling you your heart is bent like this. And as long as your heart is bent like this, it's going to be a struggle to be in a relationship. I'm telling you one of the best things you could do as a couple right now, today or this week, is look at your budget and go, you know what? we gotta start, We got to stop right now living completely for ourselves. It, 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 especially as a follower of Christ. It's completely the opposite of how he lives. How do you live it and open up your hands? Because, man, once you do that, it starts to get rid of this selfish nature that every one of us has, and it will start to bless even your own relationship with each other. So be unified with a budget. Be free from debt. Be generous. And the last one is be open. And this fight's against the mistrust. Proverbs 10.9 says, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. You guys, in everything, all the articles I was reading, not even just the Christian stuff, but every article out there about financial infidelity says the hardest thing, but the most important thing that you do is you have to get reality into the light. You have to get reality into the light. God has so much grace for you, but his grace only can touch what's in the light. And and I know some of you are sitting there, I know, some of you are sitting there right now and they go, there's no way I could do that right now. If I actually revealed what I've been doing with my finances, our marriage is over. But somehow, that has to get into the light. If the first step isn't telling your spouse then I would tell you the first step is telling somebody who will love you, who will give you grace, just like Jesus will give you grace, who will offer the forgiveness that you need to feel, because once it gets out in the light, the enemy can't work in the light, and you can begin to become free. Now here's your option. Either you can get it out into the light, and even if your spouse... I'm telling you, if you confess and you initiate it, that's way different than getting caught. (laughs) And according to the stat at the beginning of the day, only 4% actually get through with hiding it. So I I just want to encourage you so much. Once you're out in the open, it's free. Like Steve Goldring said in the video. He's like, man, once I wasn't having to hide things from Mary anymore, man. It was just freedom. And then they could work together. So If you're a spouse who might actually end up hearing this someday, just remember, Jesus made it really, really clear. Accept one another as I've accepted you. Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. And if you're going to hear something in the near future or in the next year where you just go, are you kidding me? Just remember that Jesus looked at us when we were going, are you kidding me? And he loved you. And he redeemed you. And he gave you a second chance. And that's what he wants to give us as well. So there you go. Be unified with a budget. Be free from debt. Be generous and be open. And if you will take those four steps, I'm telling you, the oneness that God wants you to experience can begin to happen. So band, come on up. And as we... um, Close and worship today, you guys. So let me give you this last thought. No matter what topic we hit here at K2, what's so cool to me is it all comes down to the gospel. It all comes down to the really good news that Jesus Christ died for our sin to forgive us and then He rose again so that He could live within us to give us a brand new heart. And I'm I'm telling you, what I need and what you need, what all of us need, is a heart that's free from itself so that it can actually love, love God and love each other. And this is what Jesus came. He said, I died so you wouldn't have to love yourself anymore. I'll actually set you free from that. But you've got to go ahead and confess the openness. You've got to get out in the open that you're still about yourself. Even as a follower of Christ. I'm, whenever I'm selfish, I need to get it out again and say, God, please forgive me. And the coolest thing he does is, man, as soon as you get in the light, he sweeps in and he says, I forgive you. And I cleanse you. So you guys, the way you get better at this is you just keep confessing it. I'm a really good confessor. And I think you need to be a better confessor too. Because every time you get into the light, you experience the grace and the forgiveness and the love of Christ. And he cleanses it every time you get into the light. You know what happens? Your heart starts to be like his. So yes, we need to be completely emptied of ourselves, And we need to have Christ building within us his heart, his righteousness, his holiness, this ability to be rightly related to another person in Love. So as we worship here, you guys, don't think, okay, I got to do this, and then I got to do this, and then I got to do this, and I got to do this. The first thing you got to do is you just got to go, oh, God, help me. <laughs> just help me. I need a new heart. I-, I-, I, need, I need to get in the light. I need your grace. And I'm telling you, if you will, while we're worshiping, as Mike leads us, if you will, in your heart, will simply say, God, help me, and open yourself up, His Spirit will come. And he'll begin to give you the courage to live in integrity in faithfulness. And he will heal and he will restore not only your heart, but your marriage. That's what he wants to do.